Justice Tech Pros here. Today's episode is, I guess, a little out of the norm, and it's unfortunate that it has to be, because, um, you know, the current situation we're all dealing with, with this tragic pandemic, which is actually something that I've, you know, never seen, and I'm pretty sure no one has seen something similar to this. I mean, just from reading about it and reading about past, I would say, similar events, doesn't seem that anything kind of matches or matched what we're dealing with. And, you know, it uh, puts a lot of things in proper perspective. And it, it, it does allow you to prioritize what's important in your life. And it also gives you a reality check of who you are and how you handle certain things. And certain situations. And it also shows a lot of true colors. You know, people's true character. If they're a good person, you, you'll truly see it during these times. And if they're not, you'll definitely see it. You know, you see people out there, unfortunately, looking to capitalize on these type of events. Where I, I've seen people, um, I was reading stories of people where they go, they went out and they bought all different supplies. They bought them all up from the stores. And then they try to sell it by price gouging to make a ridiculous profit. And to me, that's all about character. I mean, you're dealing with a uh, global pandemic that's tragic. People are dying. And you're looking to uh, profit off of that. You know, I just, I can't relate to something like that. You know, now should be the time you're trying to help others. And, you know, try to do what you can to minimize the um, casualties of something like this. And, you know, you see character in all different areas. I mean, even in uh, the legal realm, you know, dealing with a few things this past week and putting in certain notices, you really see sometimes what the opposition is all about, you know, when they're blinded with uh, agenda, they have no compassion for people. I mean, you see it on the news I'm sure uh, you've seen some stories about it where, you know, defense counsel has been putting in for different inmates to try to get them released to basically save their lives. I mean, you have people who are sick, people who have uh, underlying conditions that put them in harm's way, and they're getting no relief. Some are, but some aren't. And I think that's a testament of, you know, the type of character you're dealing with based on who's opposing that and based on what the circumstances are. But before I dive into, you know, that aspect of it, I want to touch on just a few, um, I guess, personal thoughts and insight. You know, you see all these things going on and you see people fighting for toilet paper and all these these, uh, different supplies they want. And it just shows society, unfortunately, has, you know, has their uh, morals a little screwed up because then, you know, I saw a few images which were disturbing. I saw uh, a lot of elderly trying to get supplies and they're staring at blank shelves. And I just can't relate to that. You know, you would figure those individuals would be the first ones who are allowed to to get their supplies and get what they need as they're the most high risk, you know, and kind of have some kind of order to it. Rather than everybody going in these stores trying to kill themselves, you know, ripping everything off the shelves. And it's just a shame, you know, you figure, I know, I I actually saw a few 
uh, st- shops. I think Target may have been one where they're gonna probably where they're gonna open earlier, about two hours earlier, and let the elderly shop. And um, they really need to do that because society's not gonna let that happen. I mean, I've seen so many videos online where you see people fighting and and you see poor older older people trying to get their uh, supplies and they can't because they're just not fast enough and you know they don't. It's just uh, it's crazy. It's really a shame. And there's really not much I could say about that. You know, it's uh, in general about what's going on. It's just it's scary. You know, when you have a family, when you have people you care about, it's a scary thing. You know, you don't want to bring something to somebody you care about. You don't want to be carrying something. You don't want to go around people because you're worried you're going to give them something. And I think it's going to kind of change how we uh, interact with one another, especially during a greeting. You know, it's going to make you second guess the whole handshaking thing. And it may be a good thing, you know. Just give a little nod and and that should be sufficient for a, uh, a greeting. You know, it should no longer be interpreted as rude if you don't want to shake somebody's hand and you just want to give them a nod. It should be acceptable. And whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, I don't know. You know, I could see both sides of it. If you're just trying to take caution, you really don't want to touch. And I'm not just talking, obviously, now. It's not even an option during these times. But I'm talking when all this goes, and hopefully we get back to normal, or a sense of normalcy, it may just be smarter just to kind of make that the new greeting. You know, a nod, you lift your hand up like a little wave and a nod, that should suffice. You know, and it should be maybe characterized as the new greeting and be acceptable. And not uh, not looked as if you're being standoffish or being rude to somebody. You're just trying to be considerate and just cautious. Because this is just the world we live in now. You know, the diseases can happen. I mean, viruses can happen. We're living it right now and it's scary. I mean, in Italy, it's, it's for God's sakes, it's terrible over there. I think I read today or yesterday they had the biggest casualties yet to date. Over 400 and something people died. They surpassed China. Uh, it's really tragic. I mean, people are, are are passing away there, and I know a lot of it has to do with they have a um, an older population. I believe they're the third in the world for the oldest population. But I think one of the uh, misconceptions at the beginning were uh, younger people thought they couldn't get couldn't get it or it couldn't affect them, and now. That's not working out either. I mean, unfortunately, there's a lot of young people getting sick and seriously sick. So we just have to get it in our head that this thing is, it holds no bounds. You know, it doesn't seem like there's uh, any group of people where it won't affect. It seems like it will just affect any anybody. So it's all about just taking precautions, you know. I mean, I started from early on, even when like the mail came I, uh, you know, I told my family to make sure they spray it with Lysol before they even bring it in the house. Just leave it outside for a little. Now, is that overkill? I don't know. Maybe, but, you know, it makes me feel better. You just spray it down before you even let it sit out there for a while before you even bring it in. You know, again, is it unnecessary? It could be. Does it do anything? Maybe not. But listen, if it gives you peace of mind, do it. I know even with the masks, they're telling people the masks won't do anything. But listen... If it gives you peace of mind, wear it. And the bottom line is I was talking with uh, someone today and we were saying if the masks don't do anything, then why do you see everybody at the testing facilities or the medical 
personnel wearing the masks. You know, so I'm sure it can't hurt. You know, if, if worn properly, it can't hurt. And the key is, you know, you obviously can't touch your face, things like that. But the bottom line, it's scary. And it's making people very uneasy. And it's making people scared. And I think this is going to change change things in a lot of ways. And unfortunately, it's having a devastating effect on businesses, small businesses, large businesses, the stock market. You know, so who knows how it's going to turn out. And I know it may seem very dark now and, you know, very uh, tragic and very devastating. But you got to try to remember this too will end. You know, you will go on. And you gotta you gotta try to take it day by day. Situations like this, my style is I take it day by day. I tell my family, I tell my friends the way I just deal with things. I take it each day at a time because if you try to look at it as a whole and look at the big picture, and if you're constantly immersed in the in the news, you could really drive yourself nuts. And I know a lot of people saying it's media frenzy. It's and that could be part of it too. I mean, I, you know, I'm sure the media goes a little crazy with things and they create hysteria. But the bottom line is, it's a scary thing, regardless whether it's being amplified or not. Me personally, it may be being amplified, but that's kind of like white noise to me. I look at things a little more clear cut. As far as I'm concerned, people are getting sick, people are dying, so it doesn't get any more serious than that. It's not really something that could be amplified in my mind because I know it's a serious thing. These are facts. People are dying at an alarming rate. People are getting sick at an alarming rate. That's really all I need to know. So I kind of take, if I see something's a little over the top, I take it with a grain of salt and I just go by the facts. Nations are infected with it. Huge populations in all different parts of the world are infected with it. Where I am in Westchester County... Uh, we have, I think, the, the the largest concentration in the nation. So <clears throat> we're getting hit very hard. Those are facts, you know, and it's it's a it's a unsettling pandemic. It's scary. It's listen, you don't get any more serious than it being classified as a pandemic in that level, right? So we're dealing with something very serious, and I think the only way to get through it is each day you wake up and you deal with that day, and you just try to not to think about. Well, what's going to happen down the road? What's going to happen in a week from now, two two weeks from now? What's going to happen with this, with that? You got to just wait and deal with it as it comes and solve it as it comes. Because there's going to be a lot of changes. I mean, even with the kids in school, nobody knows, you know, when they're going to go back. Whoever graduates this year, you know, you don't know what's going to happen with that. There's so many things that are going to change. And it's going to be life-altering. It really is. And it's going to be something everyone remembers, especially the you know younger generation of growing up during this time. And the key is, especially if you have young kids, which I do, you try to just um, teach them not to worry about it and to deal with it and accept it's a reality, accept it's something serious, but not to get inside their own head and harp on it. And, you know, it could, it could really drive somebody nuts, so... You know, on that note, I just wish everybody luck with it. I hope everybody's safe. Everybody's taking the precautions. I hope your families are safe. And, you know, just try to practice that social distancing. I know that's like the key term now, but it's true. You just try to give somebody, I believe it's like six feet, you try to keep between yourself and somebody else. And try to minimize exposure, you know. 
I know it's hard. We all have different occupations. We have to be out. Sometimes we have to, you know, uh, meet and, and talk to people. Obviously, don't touch anybody. Keep washing your hands. And whatever you could do electronically, try to do electronically. You know, I made a lot of changes the last couple of weeks. I actually bought a camera so I could do certain meetings uh, uh, over the over the camera uh, through different programs like Skype and whatnot. I conducted various meetings and... Uh, Fortunately, in a large part of my uh, business is electronic, so I could do a lot of things via email. But there's still a lot of times you got to physically go out, so just be careful. And again, I just hope everybody's being safe and the families are safe. And getting back to my other point, I think uh, now's the time where the courts have to start understanding that this could really get a hundred times, a thousand times worse. You know, you get a nasty outbreak in these jails, and I'm already starting to hear rumblings of employees at the jails getting sick. Now, that's only a matter of time before that starts spreading, and for us who have loved ones in jail, that's a very, very scary place to be to think about that. You know, if they're inside, and somebody has it, and then it starts spreading, I mean, it could be catastrophic, especially... If they're older, if their immune system's compromised, it could, it could have devastating effects. So there's, you know, a lot of defense attorneys are writing letters. A lot of the, um, organizations are trying to get involved to try to get people released. And when you think about it, it would make complete sense. I mean, if they just start weighing these things, and if somebody's older, you know, and they have ailments and they're a high risk... There's really no reason why they can't convert that person to be on uh, house arrest, you know, to serve time in their home. They can make accommodations. And as far as cost, the cost wouldn't be nowhere near. They'd actually save money. Um, I, on another episode, I'm not going to get into it now, but I gave out some of the stats on what it costs to house inmates. And it costs taxpayers a lot of money. So if they convert them to house arrest, you're actually going to save some money. And you could prevent it from getting far, far worse. You know, you could prevent people from, God forbid, dying while in jail from getting a sickness. And all those steps, I think, should be taken. So, you know, if you're dealing with the court system now, you have a loved one who's in there, it, it can't hurt to have them, you know, have the attorney send off a letter citing what's going on. I mean, it's not like they're making this up. This is a, a, a real issue. It's a global pandemic. I think the more letters that go out only help the situation. The more people pushing for it could only help the situation. So really, you know, try to get them working on that. You know, a lot of different attorneys are doing it. I've seen in, uh, actually in another country, I saw in Iran. Now, if you look it up and for research it, they, they released tens of thousands of prisoners just to uh, alleviate the potential of this spreading through the jails and having uh, horrific um, effects. So it's worth a shot, you know, to get in front of that judge, have them weigh the situation, have them weigh the defendant, and try to possibly get them out of there during this time, especially if if they didn't make bail and they're, and they're waiting trial or if they're older. I mean, you got to try, you got to push. I, I wouldn't see the rationale for not making accommodations. 
I mean, it, even when you think about it, even transporting the prisoners to court, that's a problem too. You don't want anybody on the bus. You don't want them on the bus together, then going in the courtroom. I mean, and then when you think about uh, trials, I was reading, you know, and that leads me to another thing I just want to talk about, where sometimes just I can't wrap my head around how things play out in this in this uh, system we have. I was reading how in the SDNY, the Southern District of New York, they had a trial, and two of the jurors, and you could look this up, you could just look up like coronavirus and jurors in New York, two of the jurors, I believe, wound up getting the virus. Now, you would think right away, I mean, they're deliberating, that that's grounds for a mistrial. I mean, we're dealing with a pandemic, that's a mistrial. But if you have a judge or you have, you know, the government, but in this case, I actually believe the prosecution was okay with a mistrial, but the judge pushed the issue. The judge, I believe, forced them to deliberate. And what they did was, the two who had the coronavirus, they had them de- uh, deliberate via, like, teleconference, you know, uh, camera. I mean, I don't even understand how that's immediately not a mistrial. You have two people off location in their home who are sick, they're probably feeling horrible, and you're forcing them to come up with a verdict. Needless to say, they convicted the guy in a few hours. I mean, the jurors, and in this time, I'm usually the one who blames the jurors, you know, they're not taking the time, but if they're sick with this kind of virus, you know, I could totally understand just wanting to get out of the situation and get well. But where I put blame is on the uh, justice system. Right then and there, you got to have a mistrial. It's an unforeseen event. This is something that has never happened. You know, you can't just always go for that conviction at all costs. This has never happened. And you can't force somebody to to, uh, deliberate and offer a verdict when they're sick. And, you know, from what I'm reading, you get really high fevers with this virus. So I'm sure they had a high fever. They're probably not thinking right. They're not thinking logically. They just want to rest and get and get well, and you're forcing them to deliberate and decide on somebody's life. That's not fair on anybody involved. That's not fair on the juror for the juror. That's not fair for the uh, defendant. It's just not fair all around. I mean, this poor juror. I, I can imagine that you feel that horrible, and you and you're forced to communicate, and you're forced to think and think about a case you just sat on for however long, and then render a decision. They just wanted to get out of there. And, and I think the verdict proved that it. it was a few hours guilty and that was the end of that. So I, I just don't understand these things. To me, that shows me anyway blatantly when they're just looking for a conviction and justice is taking a back seat. And, you know, with that, you have to even question the humanity level on the people involved. Because... Uh, this isn't something that happens. This isn't an excuse. This isn't something that, you know, you could try to say is a tactic. And this is we've never. This is uncharted territory. This has never happened before. So when you're weighing your decisions, you have to weigh that fact that you're dealing with something that never happened. So you have to kind of make calls and make rulings based on that. And you have to be able to adapt. I'm just not sure if it was one or two jurors. It, it may have been one, but. Uh, the point's the same. Whether you had two jurors or one, you have somebody going home 
and deliberating over a video conference. It just doesn't make any sense to me. That should be an automatic mistrial. And it's uh, you know, it's a, it's a shame that when uh, somebody's so blinded and so focused on what they're trying to accomplish that they don't weigh these things and realize these are circumstances that have never rose prior so you have to adjust your thinking to allow for that and you have to understand that sometimes you're going to have to do things maybe unorthodox or or you know that isn't the norm to adjust for what is currently going on and right now is one of those situations i mean we're all doing things outside of our comfort zone things we're not used to so to push for that verdict to me was just when i read that i was taken back I want to just circle back because uh, I just started also thinking about the effect that this whole uh, virus is going to have on the criminal justice system in general. As of, uh, I believe, last week, they pretty much the majority, if not all, of the jails have um, eliminated visits, and that's legal visits included for a lot of the jails. So it's a good thing to eliminate the um, personal visits at this time because, to be honest, as I spoke about earlier, you want to keep the uh, inmates safe. You want to keep everybody safe. And the less exposure they have, the better because you don't want to get it in the jail. But the dilemma, the serious dilemma that's created, and I'm not saying it shouldn't have been done. It it almost has to be, but it's going to create a dilemma when the legal visits are not allowed. You know, that that creates a problem. It it creates almost like a constitutional problem because inmates aren't allowed to now meet with their attorneys and prep, say, for trial, prep for motions, upcoming motions, give their input on uh, sentencing if they're due for an upcoming sentencing. And they're limited now in giving that their input, their constitutional right to meet with their counsel and go over these things and understand that what they're up against and what's upcoming and have it explained to them. And I don't know what the solution is, but what's going to happen is a lot of things are getting adjourned and pushed back. And now by doing that, you create even more of a mess. And what's that going to do is if you have people waiting for trial, now, now it all goes into the area of their right to a speedy trial, if they're too long uh, in jail while they're waiting, if if they didn't make bail and now they're just sitting there and everything's getting postponed. Now I'm sure uh, appeals are going to be pushed back, arguments are going to be pushed back. It's getting, you know, it's really creating a monster, uh, a, a domino effect. And I don't know what the solution is, but I do know that part of it should be releasing, you know, uh, a release program, something to to try to counterbalance it. Otherwise, the alternative is going to be people are, are going to be sitting in there stalled out and their rights are going to be, you know, little by little stripped away. And I know a lot of states are suspending jury trials. I believe last I looked, there was over two dozen states that suspended jury trials. And um, things are being put on hold. They're being prioritized. Some hearings are being held uh, video 
conference, a telephone conference uh, case I'm I'm currently working on. Uh, the uh, uh, the last hearing that was held was done through the phone because uh, you don't want the inmates being moved. But it's going to create, again, like I said, right off the bat, the constitutional right to a speedy trial. trial. There's going to be questions about civil liberties now. It's going to create a lot of problems. And it's going to have a huge, you know, cascading effect. And it's going to uproot. And it's really going to destabilize livelihoods. And um, it's, it's a huge cluster mess. You know, it really is. I was also reading how the, for the first time in a century that the Supreme Court postponed oral arguments for the first time in, in a century. And uh, that, that just says it right there. And that's going to push everything back. I mean, it's going to push the whole process back. You know, and I, I know it's, there's really no easy answer for it. But the reality is it's, it's a major problem. And inmates now are going to have their rights violated, and they have to come up with a solution. And I believe those solutions have to be weighed using common sense, using humanity, uh, using compassion, using uh, preventative measures. You know, they have to weigh all those things, and I think the thought process they have to utilize is something they have yet to have had to have pulled upon. You know, you have to now... Talk about public safety. I mean, when they're even, you know, deciding on, uh, when the judge is deciding on releasing somebody on bond, you know, they always uh, weigh the fact about uh, safety to society. Well, how safe is society by, uh, you know, allowing an outbreak, allowing these things to go through the jail? I mean, is it safer to have the inmate home on house arrest? I would think so. It's almost like a self-quarantine, at least, you know, you're um, using the same strategy that's being used for a lot of us where we're on kind of like you know there's no um, demand for a quarantine where I am but everybody's just trying to stay away from each other and some people are just self-quarantining just to be safe so those are all things that have to be discussed and weighed and I don't know how it's going to play out but it, it's uh, it's something really that's a major problem and I think it's only going to grow and I, I think it has to be resolved. I mean, the the higher-ups, all the people who deal with these type of things, the courts, or, you know, they have to get together and really decide and start weighing things on a case-by-case, case, you know, who could be on house arrest and really start weighing who's a legitimate danger to society, who's not, who could come out, weigh the crimes, weigh their ages, weigh their underlying conditions, and start making some decisions. Because if they don't, you know, it could get significantly worse. And it, as I said, it doesn't take a genius to put two and two together. You start getting huge breakouts in jails with this virus, it's going to be a major problem. I mean, one gets it, it's going to spread like wildfire. It's going to be a major problem. And it is something to think about. It's a serious thing. You know, it's not even something that the prosecutor, or the state, or the government could try to say the defense is using as an excuse. Or There's no excuse here. This is the reality. You know, and that's, uh, again, it's just uh, today's uh, episode is, it's an unfortunate episode, to be honest, you know, that we're in this position. This is what society is dealing with, something that we probably never thought we would be dealing with, and and we're faced with things that we never even 
could not anticipate to be faced with. But that's the reality of the situation. So society has to adjust to that. You know, and everybody, you know, has to try to cope with it and get through it. And if nothing else, as dark as it seems, you have to try as an individual, as a family member, you, you got to try to, to, you know, take solace in what we do have. You know, take solace in your family and your friends and, and try to enjoy the time if you are home with your family or with, you know, your loved ones. Just try to enjoy that and almost reprioritize what's important and realize what's important to you and try to make that your focus and try to make the best of a bad situation. And no matter how you cut it right now, it's a bad situation. And it's just, you know, what you do with that. You know, I'm just from the school. You keep moving on. You keep pressing on. Regardless of how bad things get, you got to make the best of it and you got to deal with it. And you got and you got to try to keep moving. Just keep moving forward. You know, it's funny. I actually put up a clip of, uh, there was a great scene in the, in the uh, I think it was the latest Rocky movie. And he's talking to his son, Rocky, and he's saying, hey, you got to keep moving forward. But I had um, the, the social media put that up, and uh, Instagram took it down. I guess it violated, I don't know, some co- copyright thing. I guess you can't use certain movie clips, but it's, it's a good scene. But anyway, the uh, thought of it, you know, carries forward. You got to keep moving forward, regardless of how tough, you know, he, he says something along the lines where, you know, life is a nasty dark place and it's going to constantly beat you down and unless you keep moving forward you're going to get beat down and as hard as that is sometimes you just got to do it and I think that's where society is right now we feel beat up we feel stressed but what's the alternative you know there's a lot of people relying on you there's people who care about you you care about others and you want to try to be strong and keep moving on and uh, this, this will pass. This will pass. Like everything else, this will pass. The key is not to let it get to you and to focus on what's important. You know, and one final thing that I just read that this is more of an annoyance and it's a little bit of a distraction from the misery. It's something just to think about. And, and uh, I don't know, to me it's... I, you know, I, I spoke about it on another episode where I was just talking about these reality programs, and I read something. I'm not even going to get into it because I don't want to even give it the time of day or who's on it. But basically, they're doing some kind of reality show of people who are related to informants of organized crime, and the informant, I believe, is on the reality show, and they're doing this big reality show about it, about their families. And again, I just these things don't make any sense to me. Uh, I don't know how they even get airtime. You have uh, uh, somebody who's an admitted mass murderer who's now looking to make money on a reality show. I just hope the public doesn't give this type of stuff the time of day because no matter how you twist it and turn it, this person, rather than pay for their own sins, they uh, decided to you know put a, a lot of people away just to get a, you know, just to not have to do, face the music, and uh, now they're looking to make a big career out of it, 
And I, I spoke about that as well, how a lot of these informants, this is what their goal is. And when you allow it to happen, when you think about it, look, you become an informant, you get paid by the government, now you get book deals, now you get reality deals. That's huge motivation right there. So you're going to get a lot of people who are informants aren't telling the truth. You know, just to get all these, uh, they're in the spotlight. I mean, they're getting reality shows. They, I don't know. It's just insane. And what's even more insane is that society gives them a platform. I don't know what kind of morals that, that is, whereas you're saying it's okay to be uh, a mass murderer. And then it's okay to, to, rather than take accountability for what you did, just make a deal with the government to give them their bigger target. And then you'll be absolved of your sins. And then you could go on and write books and have movie deals and have reality show deals. I don't I don't understand these things, but maybe maybe it's above my head. But I, <laughs> the you know, people with common sense shouldn't understand these things either. And that's really all I'm gonna say about that because I don't even wanna bring attention to it. It's just something I read that was ridiculous. They don't wanna stop with this nonsense. But anyway, that's it for today. I know it wasn't, you know, the normal uh, process for the show, but I, I did want to get on. It's actually around 3 a.m. right now uh, on, uh, what is this, We're March 20th, 3 a.m., it's Friday, and, uh, you know, I just wanted to get a podcast out, just talk to the listeners, just try to give a little bit of a distraction, something to listen to for 30 minutes. Just to take a break from what we're all dealing with. And I wish everybody luck. I hope everybody stays safe. Keep your family safe. And you know just take it day by day. Until next time.